Hello and welcome to I Am Geek, and this is episode 124. We're back here with you. This is actually the week of Halloween that this will be coming out. So, happy Halloween, I guess, everybody. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Happy Halloween. I'm Ryan. I'm joined by my brother, Chris, and our good pal, Katrin. And tonight, we have a very special guest. Oh. My life would be completely different if I hadn't have met this man. So much better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Bless him, Lord. Man. Bless him. I, I would still be I would still be single pretty much, right? Because well, <laughs> yeah, what? So much went, went Are you married to him? No, no, no. <laughs> Tonight we have a very special guest, Tommy Campbell. He is actually the person that officiated my uh, my wedding. So he, he married my wife and I off. Huh. Um, That's interesting. 18, 18 years ago. It was to him. Oh hello, um, Tommy. How you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing great. I'm just so excited to be here with you all. I think, yeah, I'm excited. I'm so yeah. excited. yeah, don't say that yet. Yeah, yeah. this is time. This is Tommy's very first podcast he's ever done. He didn't that's even right. know what podcasts were before this. He's like, no, that, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, thank you very much, Ryan. <laughs> I am Tommy Campbell. <laughs> October 24th, 2019, and a very merry welcome to everyone on this podcast. You were asking, Ryan. But Tommy is a, uh, you know, so my wife, he was my wife's youth pastor. Uh, That's right. Long yes. ago. Yes. <laughs> long. Uh, it makes me feel old thinking about how long ago that was. Um, me personally, because I'm 41 now, so that would a Man. baby, just yeah. a baby, I'm just a baby, yeah. <laughs> old old baby, an old so, old baby. Yeah. So, is everybody going to tell their ages? No, no we don't have to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what mine is. Um, <laughs> I stopped counting. Sure well, Katrin's 41, like me. That's right. And then Chris is. Uh, I'll, I'll be 39. Yeah. Mm. Such wow. a such a babe. Yeah, <laughs> that's exciting baby. for you. All. <laughs> but but Tommy, you were in in ministry for thirty years. Yes, I was. I sure was. I do my, uh, my homework. Student pastor for thirty four something years. It's kind of kind of became a blur. But yeah, it was awesome. I was called to ministry when I was sixteen, and uh, just loved it. Passionate about it, and just really. I mean, you know, there's always difficult times, yeah. but it was. Loved it. Just absolutely loved it. Yeah. I, I was full-time ministry for 16 years, and you got me beat on that. And now I'm just, <laughs> now I just, I, I I travel around and lead the music for churches in various places, which I like a lot better. <laughs> I still have some uh, CDs that have been put onto my digital music of some music that you uh, did a long time ago. Oh, look out. Mm. And I pull I I pull it out and listen to it pretty regular. Oh wow! I cool. do. Yeah, well, that makes me feel nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's good. It's good quality. Oh, good. Uh-huh. It's funny. One of the the intro and ex, and um, outro for our podcast is a instrumental version of one of the songs that um, really? I did. Yeah, and the funny thing is, so we put this on YouTube, and we got a copyright strike saying that we were taking somebody else's music and i'm like 
uh, no, I, oh, I, I, I wrote that. that. Yeah, I wrote that song. So it was, I had to contact the company and they're like, oh, we're sorry. The last note was the same note. I'm like, you, what? <laughs> you basically <laughs> found you one re- note? You resolved this now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's this all, is resolved. all resolved. All resolved, yeah. That's so they said, good. sorry, our fault. Our robot that listens to our music got confused. Yeah, all them robots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, God. So you sleep better at night, right? You sleep better. Yeah. Oh, that has nothing to do with <laughs> sleep. <laughs> he doesn't sleep at all. So. No. But so after 34 years or so, you decided, you know what? It's time to, to hang up the, the ministry hat and become a model slash actor. Like well, everyone does. Make lots of money. <laughs> yes, they make lots of money. Well, actually, now I don't want to go all spiritual, but I—I I mean, basically, I—I I just knew it was time to step out of ministry. And, yeah. uh, I'm just sitting in church one Sunday taking notes, and I mean, it's as clear as we're talking right now. And I just knew it was time to step out. And I, you know, like I said, I was called when I was 16. I was faithful to that calling, loved that calling. But, but my question that morning then was, well, okay, well, what's next? And yeah. the answer was, well, we're not discussing that right now. It's just like yes or no. And so I went, started thinking about the financial implications of that, to be honest. And, uh, but then I just realized God will take care of us as long as we're obedient. So I said, yes. Then I had to go home and tell my wife who had the flu that I had just quit your job. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was kind of weird, but I stayed at the church about seven more months, got everything kind of done for that year and got everything planned out for the next year and was still not sure what was next. And uh, basically for eight months, uh, I didn't get a paycheck of any kind. I didn't, I just met with a lot of people, just, just kind of pastoring people. And, and it was about eight months later, and it was basically a joke. One of my former students from years ago is a professional photographer now, and he travels all over. I mean, he really is good. I'm not saying that to pump me up. He's good. He just, because I mean, photographers can't do much with this i'm the old model on sets like they have all these young guys and young girls all their their teeth look really good and then i come walking on i'm the guy that sits in the rocking chair with the dog and you know (laughs) at the dog so i'm i'm not uh but yeah it was kind of a joke he posts uh, jobs all the time and so for years i would reply to every post he'd say i'm gonna be in oklahoma city I need models between the ages of 20 to 30. And I would always reply. It's in the text. I'm, 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 I'm young, you know, and he would reply back a few hours later. You're an idiot. Leave me alone. <laughs> so I just kept doing that for years. And I did that two years ago and I was waiting for his text. I texted him at five 30 in the morning. He was going to be back here in Knoxville to do a job and he needed young people. So I said, Hey, I'm, I'm your guy again, young 55. About two hours later, he texted back. He goes, hey, I sent your uh, picture to this company. And I'm like, what picture? Did <laughs> <laughs> it was a Facebook profile where I'm at, I went to see the Spider-Man movie, Amazing Spider-Man, or Spider-Man a couple years ago. And I'm, I got my picture taken by the bust of Spider-Man in the theater. And <laughs> I just cropped that and used that as my, they sent that. And he said, hey, they like your picture and they want you to come. And he okay. said, they're, they're going to give you free socks. And I went. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't quite understand that. Said, They're gonna pay you. Well, I needed to get paid. And then he said, You're gonna be a sock model. And then the 
Seinfeld kind of, you know, George Costanza <laughs> hand all things popped. So I said, I'll do it. And then I became the, the laughing stock of my family, my kids, my daughter-in-law, my <laughs> brother and sister. Everybody made fun of me for a month. Just, you're a sock model. I went, yeah, I'm a sock model. <laughs> I, I remember this. I remember Jennifer coming in one day and be like, guess what? Tom Campbell is modeling socks. And I was like, are, are you serious? I was hoping that the story would be like, you're sitting in church one day and you decided to, to hang your hat up and you look down and you go, man, these ankles, these ankles need to be out somewhere. They're going to take me somewhere. Use that, use that these at a Walgreens one day wearing sandals. And he got discovered. But we wear chocolates here in East Tennessee. So yeah, I mean, I'm looking down and, Got those calluses on my ankles and that rough skin, and you know I'm thinking this could work. Hey, I could overlay these varicose veins in a very big way, so it was just kind of. And then my niece made fun. I mean, she lives in Nashville. She's you know young and married, and everybody in Nashville's all connected, and they're all hip and whatever they are. So she true. sent me a thing. She was yeah, and she made fun of. It. She goes, hey, now that you're a model. You know, here's a job you could get that your age would fit this. I'm like, is this going to be like a or a lift chair? And it was like for Tractor Supply Company. And so I, that made me mad that she was making fun of me. So I applied and I got that job. And it just kind of so fun. And again, I was the old man on the set. And they had young people and dogs and farms and barns and tractors. And so that just kind of started snowballing. Then, which led to the TV stuff, which is is just also goofy. So, how does how did that work? How did you go from modeling socks to tractors to being background actors? Basically, well, I mean, you know, Hollywood agents are looking for good looking feet, and uh, so you know, it was a natural. <laughs> but actually, it was another thing. A friend of mine here in Knoxville, we were just eating with him one night. She goes, "Hey, you know what you ought to do?" And I went, "I have no idea what I need to do." She said. I got a friend that's a casting person for these TV shows they shoot in Knoxville. And I go, what, what shows do they shoot? In Knoxville? <laughs> it's like this crime reenactment stuff, you know, it's like on investigation discovery and oxygen channel and wow. headline news and weather channel. And I'm like, I had no idea. And she goes, no. yeah, she goes, you would be great. She goes, cause you're nice. You'd be on time. <laughs> you know, they'll pay you a little bit of money. You just have to stand in the background or walk across behind people who are important. And I went, well, yeah, I'll do that. And so she said, well, I'm going to call her and tell her you'll do it. And I went, okay. And she said, you need to apply for some jobs. Go to this Facebook page and follow them and apply. And I went, okay. So I applied for a job in October, applied for one in November, never got a job. So December, a few days before Christmas, we're eating with this same family again. She goes, hey, did you ever hear from my friend? I went, nope. She goes, like she was my mom. She goes, did you apply for jobs? And I went, <laughs> that's my, I applied for two jobs. I said, evidently, I'm not what they need, which I don't know what that means because I don't know what anybody needs and I don't know this business. She goes, well, I'm going to tell her. And I went, okay, do whatever. <laughs> so two days later, I get an a email from this lady, this casting lady. She goes, hey, would you play a naval crime scene investigator on this show? It was like two days before Christmas. And I went, Sure. So it was, they actually filmed it a mile from my house. So I just wow. got in the car and drove down there. There's people from like 
there's two actors from New York, some guy from Oklahoma. They're from all over. And this guy goes, well, where are you from? And I said, I'm like a mile and two tenths down the road. (laughs) (laughs) I was scared to death. And and then they sent me like contracts, which I never had seen. They sent me two scripts that were 150 pages long. I didn't. They sent me call sheets. I didn't know what that was. So up midnight the night before, I'm in there trying to figure out. And then I realized I have a line in this show. Oh, I didn't want to. Oh. No. <laughs> so I am scared to death. And I mean, I'm back there doing my line. It was so horrible. I, I said something like, uh, report back to duty, Corman Davis. And <laughs> I just knew that director was going to yell at me and say bad words and but I got through it. And so I, then I just started, I just started applying. And I mean, they hired me. Like I had a job every week with this, doing a different TV show. Wow. And it was just crazy. It just kind of kept going, kept going. And, and, uh, you know, so I do background and like feature background. Then it led to, they go, they know me. So they're like, Hey, you do the like several scenes with lines. And I went, sure. Whatever. <laughs> and my thing is I just go on and like, I just act like I know what I'm doing, even though I don't, I just, I just go in, I act confident, I'm nice, I do what they tell me to do, and that's all I can do. So I can go in. Sometimes I just goof off while I'm there, too, so that helps me out. But. <laughs> so I did a lot of those, and then like I've done probably close to 30 of those shows now. Oh, wow. Detectives, and I want to play a dead body is what I want. I want to be the body. <laughs> i got to lose some weight, and... Uh, I've got to get better in shape because I am getting a little bit older. So, but, and then I started going down to Atlanta because I thought, well, I can go do some shows that I want to do. Like, cause you know, I'm, I'm a big superhero person, star Wars, everything. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm looking for, my goal is to be on the Marvel TV show, the Marvel movie, the DC. That's mm-hmm. my goal. So I go down and do things. If it sounds good to me, if something I want to do, uh, I got my son lives down there, my brother. So I, I got a place to stay. So I've done quite a, I guess about a dozen shows in movies in Atlanta too. So, hmm. so it's been interesting. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, you've probably seen Tommy in the background of, of some of the things that you've, you've watched, if you've watched stranger things season three, he's there, mm-hmm. you got to squint your eyes. Yeah, that's way, <laughs> way, way in the background blurry. But I did make it, so I you did know, make it. Yeah, and that was really cool. I mean, that was like a a geek dream come true, just being on that set. Because I'm, you know, I'm a child of the '60s. I'm a, you know, a youth of the '70s. I'm a college young adult of the '80s. I was born at the perfect time for movies and TV and stuff, and so. Yeah. I'm sitting on set and it's it's Halloween Eve. I was on set of Stranger Things on Halloween Eve, going into Halloween Day, and I did the carnival scene and and I got there and so everybody's got '80s looking hair, '80s clothes. <laughs> They've got this full blown carnival that they, I guess, rented for several weeks. All the rides are going, all the foods being prepared. It's it's just this. It's like I was back in 1985 uh-huh. and. Uh, it was hot during the day filming scenes and then it got cold at night. But I, the whole time I'm just sitting there going, this is incredible. This is awesome. I can't believe I'm here. And then they brought 600 other background people in kids and families to be the carnival goers like that night. And I mean, this place was just buzzing and just everywhere you look, you just felt like you were back in the eighties. And, uh, 
I was just geeking out like crazy. It was <laughs> one of the best days of my life. And, uh, mm-hmm. so that was a cool, that was a cool experience. That's cool. So how does that, like, when you have that many, um, you know, background and actors around, like how, do, how does, cause I've never been on a set like that. How um, do they wrangle that many? Yeah. People? How do they wrangle? How do they direct that? How do they, do they just say act normal or what do they do? I don't know. It's like every, they break us down into groups. Like I was a part of carnival workers and stuff. So there was about 60 of us. So we have a handler, like a production assistant guy or girl. And so they are responsible for us. So they have to get us to holding out of holding onto the set, you know, whenever we're supposed to go eat, get us there. And so they're responsible. And then usually they also have some responsibility in telling us where we're going to be, where we're going to stand, what we're going to do within the scene. And I don't know, I thought that the whole night because th- there were tons of, you know, kids, minors, parents, people, and they were actually, there was a second unit shooting on the other side of the carnival. So they were shooting two things, parts of the show at once. And uh, I was amazed, whatever they do or however they do it, it's amazing uh, that they can get that many people to do exactly what they're supposed to do, along with crews and that you know, there's hundreds of people just on the crew, and everybody's doing their job at the at the right moment just to film a 30 second segment or a minute segment. It's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. That's so cool. it was, yeah. That's and I when I they took me, I ended up on set at 1:30 in the afternoon and stayed out there till about midnight oh, without wow. a break, oh, which God. is not normal. And mm-hmm. uh, but I loved every second. And when they they started to take us in about 6.30 p.m., and as we walked back to holding, our PA got like a, a call, and they said they needed some of us back, so I, I went back, and when I went back, I stood. They they said, you stand right here, and so I stood by uh, Carrie Elwes for like three hours. I mean, I'm right oh, wow. by him. Oh, wow. we, we can't talk to the primary actors unless they talk to us, and so... <laughs> You know, he said hi to me, and said, but you have, you, and plus, I really don't want to talk to them too much because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And then they go, "What? Get this, get this guy, guy this, out of here! Punk, get him out of here! What's wrong?" With him? <laughs> so, but that was cool because his chair was right behind the director, so I'm basically for three hours looking when I'm not doing something. I'm looking at the monitors, watching them film the scene, and I can see it because they were filming inside that big. Um, over the Terminator guy and he they get in that fight inside that ride. Oh yeah, yeah the Gravitron type ride. Gravitron. So I'm standing outside mm-hmm. the Gravitron. So I'm I'm right outside the door of it, but I can watch them film uh, uh, what's going on inside. So it's kind of like when we saw those scenes when we watched this season, it was kind of cool. I'm like, man, I, I mean that's exactly what I was seeing on the monitors. And of course they edit so much out, but yeah, um, it was just a cool just a cool experience. That's cool. So, uh, yeah. So how the, the important question though, though how was craft services on the Stranger Things set? <laughs> was the food That's good? A great question. <laughs> well, I think it yes. Uh, the problem was right when I got there. This is what's funny to me to to have a chance to get on that show. I had to grow my hair out for about eight months oh. because they wanted everybody's hair to be at least three inches every Shady. day. Yep. So you have to have that eighties look, which I'm sitting there going, I had a flat top in the eighties too. Like, you know, not everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Had a carny. All the carnies had. <laughs> right. And I had hair. to grow my <laughs> Don't count. 
don't get on the carny low now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I had this hair, and I went in there, and I'm just one of, you know, that, I mean, there's like 700 background people. They spent an hour poofing my hair and working on my hair. And I thought, this is amazing. And then as soon as I got out of the hair chair to go to makeup, this wardrobe lady comes and goes, wear this hat. And I went, they just did like an amazing, like I wanted to leave and drive back to Knoxville and take my wife out on a date because I looked good with that hair all poofed out. And, and they, put a, they put a Bahamas trucker cap on my head. So I, of course, I wore it. I, I didn't do what they tell you, but I was a little disappointed in that. But the food, we walked out of there, and they said, "You get get something to eat." And as soon as I got something to eat, they said, "We got to go to set." So I had to set my food down, and then I was out there till that night, like midnight. And so around ten fifteen, I went back in, and they brought some more food in, and it was really good. So the food is amazing on most of these sets. Like, I think a lot of these people do it just for the two meals that they get. Because it's, it's incredible. Like, I can't even describe the amount of food and the different types of food they put out. Mm. Just for background people is interesting. <laughs> I so, got uh, to get on this train. I got to find this. Yeah, find this you do, jobs. Yeah. Give me some free food. I, I tell you, the best fish I've ever put in my mouth. <laughs> was was on the set of Watchmen. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was the best part of that. Well, no, there's another part that was good about that, but I don't think I can talk about that. But anyway, oh. <laughs> you will be on an upcoming. Hopefully, unless you get edited out, uh, I think it's episode five of Watchmen. If I if I yeah right yeah uh, as the focus group moderator. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Cause you try to find parts too, that aren't like the crowd scenes. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. you know, it's like, just like a cattle call. So it's, this was really cool. Cause there was only 15 of us on this set. It was in a sound studio and they built a conference room, uh, in Tulsa. And it's supposed to be a group of Tulsa businessmen in this, uh, this thing. And, and so I'm in the back of the room, I'm the moderator. So I'm watching how everybody's reacting to something and, uh, kind of taking notes and, and so the way the camera was coming at us, it was coming through the what should be the front wall down through the table. So I should be in that shot if they use that that scene, just standing there in the back of the room, smiling and nodding, <laughs> laughing a little bit. You know, and, so. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to checking that out. One of the things that you were in, I will probably never check out. Um, I think Uh-oh. Chris has seen it, but oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can. I wasn't in the Joker. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch the Joker. Uh, the Haunting of of Hill House. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, funeral director. Well, huh? Right. Well, yeah, I I was there. There was an overnight shoot. I'm not real good at overnight shoots anymore, but. Uh, I was in the way, way, way far back of this restaurant bar scene. And there's one place where you can barely see the side of my, I think you can see just the sliver of my head. But they had me do several walkthroughs of the lobby, just me with my luggage, act like I'm checking in. But they didn't use any of those. But that was a great Uh shoot, too. They were very, that was a great uh, group of people, crew, and they were very good to us. And uh, made a, a very long and difficult shoot really good. And the food was awesome on that, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we want to talk about what's the real deal, it's the food, and that was awesome. 
Because that that had a uh, I don't know I haven't seen it but Chris I guess you do you recall this scene or episode or uh, it was uh, it's been a while since I watched it so because <laughs> yeah, that was like last year I have to, now I have to watch it again yeah to 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 catch the side of your head that's right <laughs> well you won't even catch it I I caught it because I'm like that's mine I know where I was but that's it's. Okay. Uh, but it was good. I think it was the last episode of the series. Silence, and, uh, silence lay steadily. One of the uh, the main characters, she was uh, in a bar talking to a guy. Yeah. So, you mentioned earlier that you had a line in a show. Have you had any other lines in shows? And have you had to change your accent at all for any of the lines? You know, if they need me to change my accent, we're, <laughs> well, you know, it, it, not so much from a southern accent, but just uh, any other, uh, you know, ethnic accents or anything like that too. Can, can you go I'm more not. southern? Well, I, I have. <laughs> I know that's a problem. Um, I have done uh, several shows where I had just like a single line. Then I did a show where I had multiple lines, and then I did a show. It was called ATL Homicide. And I actually had several scenes throughout the show with multiple lines and I ended up using quite a few of those. I was surprised. And so, but, uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't done anything where I had to change. I can, because when I was in seminary in preaching class and communications classes, they would grade us down on regional dialects because they're saying, you know, if you're in, if you're from Tennessee, but you're in, uh, upper state of New York preaching, teaching some people will just turn tune you out with that southern accent so during seminary i got really good at kind of slowing myself down and you know talking more like today we need to look at what god's (laughs) word says and then (laughs) apply it you know like i I could do that but then once i left seminary and moved back to tennessee it was so it's, quick coming back. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. So Once I, you're I, surrounded I, by it, it's. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really. Uh, I would love to, because I wanted. I'd like to do more stuff and you know push myself and challenge myself, but I don't know. When it gets into <laughs> accents, I'm just not good. I can't do any kind of accent. <laughs> I can hack preach. Like ha, let me tell you now, I was going down there. Ha, that, dog, <laughs> that dog is like. <laughs> So I was just looking through your IMDb and I and it just caught my eye. So before I forget, you got to play a mutant. Yes. What? Yes. What was that? Well, that was one of the best days of my life to that point. It was I guess that and Haunting of Hill House were the first two Atlanta job. So I, I got to do an episode of the gifted and, uh, I was a mutant. I wasn't like a, a mutant with, uh, you know, obvious, I'm like a mutant who looks normal, but it was, it was like a, a crowd. It was like a, I think it was episode one of the second season of the gifted. And there were probably 150 of us and we were supposedly it's a housing uh, place for mutants and the, uh, wh- whoever, who is it? It's like the, kind of the SS or whatever, they come in and they're black tanks and they're shooting us mm-hmm. and beating us. And so 
I, when I watched that, because that was a long day and a long shoot, I, I didn't see myself, so I was disappointed. But then I saw this guy, this SWAT guy, running up the stairs, and I went, I was right by that guy. When that guy ran up the <laughs> stairs, they told me to take off running across, and then they shot this mutant with a catapult net gun thing, which was cool. <laughs> I just loved it because I got to sit there and talk to these stunt guys, and these guys had worked on, like, Hunger Games. and Because I just sit there and I go, hey, dude, I go, so how long you been a stuntman? They go, oh, man, 20 years. I go, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? And then they'll tell me, and I'll go, when is the, like, you were the most scared, you know? And it's just, I just love finding out these stories from people. But, like, I, so I went back and watched it again, and I paused it right when the guy went up the stairs. <laughs> so in real time, you can't see me, but when you pause it, <laughs> there, there I am. There's my red shirt and my jeans. And I, you just go through it, and there I am. I'm running. Boy, I'm running across the bag just for all I can. But in real time, you can't cool. see me. I can see me. So That's know. all that matters. Well, well now and we I got, know. I got to be a mutant. And I got yeah, to that's be awesome. Yeah, and I'm on a set, and I've got all this, you know, sentinel stuff, you know. These sentinel guys are coming in. I'm just like, this is the most incredible thing. So did you, did you come up with, like, your own backstory? Like, these are my powers, and this is what's happening to me. <laughs> my powers were uh, yeah me and a friend of mine sat there and came up with all my powers before i know one of my powers was get off my lawn you kids and something like that we came up with some good ones like that it wasn't anything great like i can fly or i can melt and do stuff it it was all like i'm an idiot kind of mutant powers (laughs) yeah the power of beautiful feet yeah yeah Watch this. I can add age spots to my face. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm a huge like uh, comic book fan and all that. Um, and yeah, I, 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 yeah, one of my highlights of, of doing stuff like I got to work on X Men First Class. Um, and so it's that's that's awesome. Yeah, when I saw that you had worked on the Gifted, I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I was I was going nuts, but I had to try to because I'm 58. I can't act too goofy on these sets like i have to be mature but i this other guy that ran with me across that scene this dude looked like uh he was like six five six six he looked like an albino elvis presley and <laughs> he was probably late 20s early 30s and i mean this guy was more excited than any human i've ever met in my life he could he could not quit talking about being in an X-Men TV show. He was so plump and he just kept talking. So I went, I'm just going to let you roll brother. And I'll just live through you because I was feeling everything he was saying. But I'm like, you go on, you go on. And he was just shaking. He was so excited. And he wanted to slap fives the whole time and fist bump. And that chest bump. I'm like, I can't chest bump. That hurts. And so <laughs> it was, it's neat. It really is neat to the people you meet. Cause some people, like there was a guy that day on that set. He drove from New Jersey because he's such a big superhero, you know, Marvel person. He drove from New Jersey to get paid seventy five dollars for twelve hours. Wow! What? Oh, that's... But I mean, he's like, I'm going to be on this show, and I'm like, well, I don't know about that. We maybe we will. <laughs> but, but that was that was a cool day too. That's cool because not only did you get to be on Marvel show, but you were on a DC show too. So you got to live both because you were on Doom Patrol, right? Yeah, I've actually done uh, three because Watchmen is DC. I've done yeah, that's true. Watch- that's true too. Yeah, and uh, I did an episode of Doom Patrol, 
And then I did, um, I actually did an episode of Star Girl, which oh. is going to be on DC Universe. But yeah. it's the it's the one time that I've gone to do a job. And I told my wife right before I left, I said, you know, I go, I've done a bunch of these jobs. And I said, there's always people on set, like the background people who don't make it onto the set. I go, that's got to happen to me at some point. And sure enough, I left that afternoon, went down there to Atlanta and ended up, I got on the set. But right before they started shooting, they said, uh, we have too many people. And they took me off. Oh, so, yeah, it was disappointing. And uh, never Amy Smart was on. I know me either. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Doom Patrol was cool. Uh, that was a real that was a long day. I got there like at 545 in the morning for like a 615 call time. And then I left that night at 930 from the set. And it was a long, hard day. But when I first got there, I was walking through the actual set, which they also film a lot of Stranger, th stranger Things in this same, it's like an old, it's like an Emory University building. Hmm. And so a lot of the lab stuff from Stranger Things, because I was watching uh, even season three and they were doing some flashbacks to Bob. And when Bob got, and, yeah. uh, and I went, that's the same lobby we filmed uh, Doom Patrol in. But hmm. I got there really early and I, I was walking to wardrobe and they had this older gentleman sitting there and, uh, and I just thought he was another extra and I, you know, but he looked really, really old and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool that somebody can get over here and spend all day doing this. <laughs> so I later, they pulled me out of holding and put me in a, in a, a holding to get ready to go onto the set. And they brought that guy out and put him right in front. There's four of us sitting there. And they put him right in front of me. Like I, I wouldn't even have to reach out and touch him. Like I could barely move my hand forward and I would hit him in the face. And so I'm like, well, they put him right here in front of me. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there kind of looking at the side of his face. And the lady beside me, she elbows me. So I look at her and she mouths to me because she can't say it out loud. She mouths, do you know who that is? So I look at her and I go, I mouth back to her, no. <laughs> and then she mouths back. She goes, it's Ed Asner. Oh, wow. oh, oh that's and, awesome. And so I look at him and I started to touch him to see if he's <laughs> And I look back and I went, I went, it is. And so I'm sitting there going, I'm, I'm sitting here with Lou Grant of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. I'm sitting here with Santa. Cordell. So I'm going back in time to my as a child watching Mary Tyler Moore back in the seventies. So I'm just sitting there going, my parents would, Oh my gosh. And so that dude, he's like 89 and he was on set from the first thing in the morning. And when I left at nine 30 that night, he still had several scenes to shoot. And uh -huh. that guy was a workhorse. So that was cool all day long. All the scenes were with him and uh, April Bobley or whatever. Uh, one of the main characters. So that was kind of a cool day too, just to, you know, be in the same room, watch yeah. him and watch her. They had these real long kind of, it was like a real, these monologues they were doing. And so it was, it was really, and I'm just like a doctor walking behind them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's cool. But that was, that was really cool. fun. So I do get geeked. I'm telling you, I, I don't do it for the money. <laughs> I, do I do it for the experience. And the food. You do it for the experience and the food. 
Uh, well, and I don't want to bring it down. I, and I'm just being honest with you, too. The, I really believe the reason God has allowed this to happen is from the very first time I went on a set, it's like I, I meet, like I just sit there. I don't, everybody's on their phones, everybody. So I just sit there and I wait for somebody to get off the phone. I'll go, hey, who are you? <laughs> uh, Eric. Hey, where are you from? Uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. So how long have you done this kind of work? Uh, 15 years. Hmm. So do you do anything else? Well, I'm a waiter at this restaurant. I go, oh, okay. And so I just go in and I talk to people and I just try to build relationships with people because, and then I try to find something during the day, the people I connect with, I try to find something that I can honestly encourage them about. Like, honestly, I can say, I've noticed this about you today. I just want to encourage you. And I'm being totally honest. So many of these people, it's as if nobody's being kind to them anymore. It's like people mm -hmm. just start weeping mm -hmm. when you tell them something good about themselves. And and I don't talk about myself or who I am or what I do unless they ask. And at some point in the day or two or three day shoot, somebody will say, well, what do you do? And I'll go, well, I'm a pastor by calling and vocation. And then they tell me everything. I mean, I've known these people for a few hours. They tell me about their divorce. They tell me about their 18 year old son that they hate. They tell me about their depression. And, and I will say to these people, like, you know, you're telling me very personal stuff. And they go, well, I just feel like. And it's just amazing. I think people without knowing it, they're looking for, you know, they're looking for that light. They're looking for Christ, but they don't know it. Yeah. And so it's trying to be kind. And then, and I've had people tell me, they go, well, I don't believe in God. And I go, okay. And I don't feel like my job in that moment is to say, well, here's the seven reasons why you should. <laughs> I just try to build a relationship yeah. with them. And uh, before I leave the set, I'll say to every single person that I meet, that I talk to, I'll go, uh, can I pray for you? before we leave. And I've never had one person turn me down. And then I say, can I pray for you after, you know, and then, and so I become friends with these people on Facebook, people, you know, they give me their number. And so every month or so, if I don't hear from them, I'll reach out to them. So just say, how can I pray for you? How's life going? And, uh, I really believe that's the main reason that God's been allowing me to do this. Cause there's a lot of people on these sets that don't know, they don't know Christ. And so, I'm not trying to be spiritual here, but I am a minister. No, but it's, it's like yeah. it's, it's become it's become a great. It's like a I have my own church of ragtag people from all over the country that most of them don't have a church or a pastor, or, and I, I mean, I have people like I had a lady the other day call me. I worked with her two years ago, and she called me to tell me her and her husband are going through a divorce, and she wanted me to pray with her. And I'm like, you know, of all the people in her life, friends, family. She still there's something about us meeting where she felt comfortable telling me that. Mm. And so so I love the geeky side of everything. And because I there's something on on Watchmen I saw that I was sitting and holding on the soundstage. And I'm sitting by this thing for the, the whole time. And I didn't realize till I got up to stretch. I walked around this thing they had built. And when I walked around to their side, I about died. I can't say what it is. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I lost my mind. And I'm just like, this is the most, this is incredible. And so I'm just, you know, and so I can't really say much, but I did, I texted both of my sons. I couldn't take a picture, but I texted both of my sons and a few friends and went, I just saw that, 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 and it's incredible. And so you know, there's those moments. I love that, but I, I really love connecting with people on these sets and meeting people and 
just and, and it's not just what I can do for them or how I can minister to them. And people have ministered to me. People have challenged me, pushed me. Uh, and it's, it's just been a real fulfilling thing that I didn't see coming. I, there was no way I could see this coming, that this is what God had in store for me after you know walking out of vocational ministry after so long. But yeah. it's just been cool. No, I get that. I didn't that. mean to get serious. No, that's, that. no that's cool because I get that. Like with the, with the podcast, we'll have guests on. And the question always comes up because, well, first the question is, you know, so how much do you make doing this? And the response is always, oh, we don't make anything doing the podcast. <laughs> um, and they go, well, what do you do? And it, that question always comes up. I never have to say anything. And then I'll go into, you know, you know, I've been in ministry for, and as soon as I say that, they're just like, you know, it's like a floodgate opens in their mouth and they just start saying, talking about, oh, I used to go to church and this is why I don't or, yeah. or blah, blah, blah. And they go through the whole thing and they, and like, I've, there's been guests that we've had on here that I've got to meet and, um, you know, face to face and, and, and they'll tell me their life story and, and because they feel comfortable in doing it and it's cool. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I love building relationships with, uh, people that I, I would have never met. I mean, these people. Exactly. It like, you know, if I hadn't been obedient three years ago, I would have never had these experiences, never would have met these people, never would have built these relationships. And uh, and so I'm just I'm thankful, you know, that God knew he knew I didn't know it was time for me to step out, but he knew. And I'm just glad that I was willing to say yes to that because I, I still loved what I was doing. I love students. And we you know, we'd been at Central Bearden for over 20 years. So. None of my current students were even born when we got there. So we've been there for a long time. My sons grew up there. That's that's our family. You know, they helped raise our sons. And so it caught me by surprise, but it's been very fulfilling and very goofy and very crazy. Uh, just being in a place that's way outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. I think as long as you walk into a place and you act like you know what you're doing, that you can get by with a lot. Just, yeah, okay, yeah. I live you know. my whole life and just act like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's right. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. See, I have a similar experience as you guys, except that I try to avoid to tell people what I do. So I work in IT. So, so the question I get is, you know what? I got this problem on my phone and yeah. I can't do this. <laughs> so or, or, they, or they break the wrist and walk away. Right. <laughs> break the wrist, walk away. Break right. the wrist, walk away. Uh, oh man. Yeah. It's, Chris, you okay? Oh yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I take, I take little uh, mini naps. Yeah. During, uh, <laughs> I, I apologize oh. for interrupting you. Oh no, it's uh, just keeps my energy up a little bit. It's it's good. <laughs> yeah, Chris is Chris is working on video games now, so he's making he's making video games, animated video games. Yeah. Um, so he's he's jumped from movies to video <laughs> games because he. You know. Do I need to bow down? No, 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 no. <laughs> no oh, yes. I'm a lot bowing over here. I, <laughs> right no, I, I I actually I got to be an extra one time myself. Uh-huh. Um, but um, that was the food. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it was basically where when I when I was working on X Men, um, they they were they were doing this one shot. It's it's at the Lincoln Memorial with the big like yes. um, the 
oh, the big water thing out there. Um, the reflective, the yeah. reflective pool. Yeah, um, <laughs> the reflecting pond. Yeah, that Forrest thing. Gump's. It's yeah. Forrest Gump's yes. pond. Forrest yeah. Gump's yeah. pond. Um, so they needed to fill that area with people walking around, and they hadn't filmed anybody, so they just told, they just grabbed like some people, like animators, lighters, anybody that was around, and they just had us walk outside in front of this green screen, and then they took us and like put it, put us all around the pond. I mean, I'm like a speck on the screen, so you can't tell it's me. But I'm like, that's me. That's my little that's speck right. right there. That's, right. <laughs> that's my speck. You, <laughs> I feel you. Well, it, it is funny, though, when you do end up on something and you're like front and center. And like me and my wife just start laughing. We just think it's hilarious, you know, because we're like, and then I start talking and it's, you know, the Southern accent. It's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> East Southern accent. Horrible. <laughs> So how did you feel when you, cause I, cause some of these, I know some of your stuff is uncredited, but how did you feel the first time you saw your name like scroll on the screen? Um, well, I still have it. To be oh, honest. you have it? Oh, I figured well, no, it Most of the things I do for Jupiter, even when I have like a name role, Jupiter, uh, and these crime reenactment things, they don't, they don't even do a oh. cast thing at the end. Oh, boo. boo. Yeah. So boo on Jupiter. Yeah, but now, yeah. suppose no. I'm doing this uh, independent Christian movie that'll, you know, who knows, you know, I'll have a credit on nice. that. But, oh, uh, there you go. and there's even some things that, uh, and I, I kind of, I don't know, I don't really care about that. I just, you know, to me, it's just kind of fun and it's just interesting to see the opportunities I get. And, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I want to do, I can't apply for everything because I can't afford to drive to Atlanta you know, for what they're paying. But if it's something that I think, you know, I'd love to be on stranger things or I'd love to be on this or that, then, you know, I'll apply. And there's things I've applied for that I didn't get. Like I applied to be Ewan McGregor's uh, stand in for this uh, Dr. Sleep movie. Oh. And, uh, uh, and I was really hoping cause I wanted, I'd love to be a stand in for somebody and, and do that yeah, and yeah. have that experience. And, uh, but didn't get that, but, they did send me a thing this August. They wanted me to be Kelsey Grammer's stand-in for this movie he did, and uh, which I don't, I don't look anything like Kelsey. I hope, but oh, I should have said that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he listens to this podcast, I'm in trouble. Well, but, you know, Kelsey Grammer is one of our biggest, you know, supporters. Yeah, unless... Sorry, yeah. Kelsey. Uh, you know, <laughs> no man, we're good. And uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to how to be in Atlanta for two months, you know, Monday through oh, Friday and then be home. So, but I, I'm looking at that. I'd love to do that sometime and um, yeah, be a part cool. of something like that. But to me, like I'm holding on to all this stuff loosely. Like my family comes before any of this. Yeah. And like a year ago, there's a movie coming out with uh, Michael B. Jordan in December called just mercy. So it's him and Jamie Foxx and it's, already getting Oscar buzz and it's kind of a civil rights type movie. And, uh, a group that I'd worked with several times contacted me a year ago and said, Hey, we want you to come down and do this scene. It's with four of the primary actors and it's just you and one other background person. So they go, this is a great scene to be in. And, but my son and his wife and my granddaughter were coming in on that Friday. And oh. I'm like, I can't, gonna, you know, cause it's rare they get to come in. So I'm like, I would love to do that, but it's like, it wasn't even a question for me. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm, going, I'm staying home. So I've had to pass on a few things, but I've 
also been turned down on things that I would like to have done, but you know, that's just how it is. Yeah. So. Would you ever consider doing stuff with like heavy prosthetics that you have to put on and stuff like walking dead type things? I, I, I've been trying, I've been watching that and um, I just, part of the walking dead thing, I know that's on every, a lot of people's bucket list. If I could be a zombie on walking dead <laughs> and I would do that, but, and they film usually in the summer, and it's already hot enough oh, yeah. with all that stuff. I, I'm just getting, I don't know if I could handle that. But <laughs> I do follow that because I've got that on a list of things I would like to do at least once is work on that. And so, but I did do, uh, uh, I did, I got in on the last day of a Clint Eastwood movie in August. And so I'm real excited about that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, so it's a movie, it's uh, it's on Richard Jewell, the guy that, you know, the 96 Olympic bombing in Atlanta. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I saw a trailer for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just, yeah. And he, uh, you know, he's the guy that found the bomb and alerted the, you know, he was a security guard, alerted the authorities. And within a few, and so they got pretty much everybody out. I think one person died in the explosion and, and then a news reporter had a heart attack running to the scene to cover it. And, but then the FBI... And uh, and the media targeted him, even though he didn't do it. And uh, even, you know, when he died, you know, people still, even though he was uh, exonerated. And I think it was it's Eric, Eric Rudolph, the guy that was, you know, he'd hide in North Carolina. He'd go bomb a clinic somewhere, Birmingham, Atlanta. Then he'd go hide. He'd bomb the Olympics. And even though he was convicted and Richard Drill was exonerated, Till the day he died, you know, people said, "Oh, that's the guy that bombed the Olympics." Oh. And so it's a movie mm-hmm. about his life. And I, I played uh, last day of filming. I played uh, one of Eric Rudolph's attorneys, and uh, but just to be on set with Clint Eastwood was incredible. Because sure. I mean, oh, he's yeah. you know, actor, producer, director, and I mean, my one of the first movies my dad took me and my brother to. It was a mistake. Uh, was uh, <laughs> Dirty Harry. Dirty. Because he was a high school teacher, and some of the guys in his class said, "Oh, Mr. Campbell, you need to go see it. It's awesome." They so went, "Okay." So he grabbed us. I was nine years old. My brother was eight, and we went down to the theater, Strand Theater in Athens, and we sat there. And within the first fifteen minutes, there was about twenty-three killings and other things going on. And my dad goes, "Let's go." And so I was sitting there, and Eastwood is standing by me, and they're kind of figuring out the scene and talking. And I'm just sitting there thinking, Dad, I'm standing next to outlaw Josie Wells. Dad, Dirk, I can smell his pants. I can smell his shirt. You know, and it's like that was kind of a cool, oh, yeah. you know, kind of a cool moment just to watch him do what he does. And um, he's just such a great leader and calm and congenial with everybody. And um, it, it was just interesting to watch that's, him work. That's cool. That's cool. So since you you said earlier how you you love DC Marvel stuff, do you have a who's your favorite uh, superhero? Well, I've I've always kind of said and alluded to the fact that it's Superman, and I just have always I think I grew up with Marvel and DC, but uh, I mean when I was little, we would go grocery shopping every Friday night. And my parents would go to two grocery stores. They'd go to the white store, which was kind of a regional chain. Mm-hmm. But right, a, like a, two buildings up from that was a local grocery store called Harrods. 
So we would go into White Store. They'd get us some animal crackers and like a knee-high grape. But as soon as we finished that, me and my brother would run up to Harrods, and they had a magazine rack, but then they had one comic book rack. And we would sit on the floor at Harrods and read comic books. And if we had money or, you know, got some, sometimes mom and dad would buy us a comic book. And so we started, you know, back then we didn't collect them to collect them. Mm-hmm. We collected them to read them and then we <laughs> would trade them with friends. And so, you know, we just started getting this pile and then older guys that lived in our neighborhood as they got too old for their comic books, which makes no sense to me. That's just, <laughs> they would pass their comic books on to me and my brother. So we just had stacks and stacks. And so I just remember loving Superman, the ability to fly. I used to, you know, fantasize as a child, the ability to fly. You know, we go on a 600 mile trip to my grandparents and I would, you know, in the summer with no air conditioning, three kids, two parents, two dogs, all the windows rolled down, 100 degrees outside. And I just put my hand out the window like my little man and I'd pretend like he was flying and he could zoom up to Virginia see what was going on and zoom back and say, you know, your grandparents are excited. You're coming. I know this sounds weird, but I just, I I love Superman, Batman and Robin. Uh, but I I would, I would draw pictures of Spider-Man and, you know, just anything I could get, I would draw pictures. I wouldn't trace them. I would, you know, freehand these pictures and stuff. And, but, but I thought about it recently. I think my favorite character is Robin. Because I think I identify more with a person who comes alongside of somebody. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Plus, I just no. like his colors. I just love the, the old, you know, the green, red, and yellow of the, you know, old Dick Grayson Robin from back when I was a kid. And I just, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I always, always loved Robin, and I always mm-hmm. kind of identified more with the sidekicks um, of the with comics. Um, and yeah, I loved Dick Grayson, but yeah, when I started reading comics and everything. Dick Grayson had become his own hero. He was Nightwing. Um, and there was another Robin, and he had died. <laughs> and so I was more with the third Robin. Um, and he was kind of, I was just kind of growing up with him and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I always loved Robin. One Halloween, I was Robin. Ryan was Batman. Yeah, I always identified with the billionaire. I'm like, you know, I'm more like a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Playboy, billionaire, Playboy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I, you know, when I was in the 60s, uh, you know, they would put out Halloween costumes, but they weren't like the legit mm-hmm. Batman. And it's not like it is now. But mm-hmm. two guys that lived across the street from us, uh, Kelly, I, I can't believe I'm remembering his name, Kelly Keelan and Mike Webb, their moms, they were like both, they were a year older than me. Their moms sewed them from scratch one of them a Batman costume and one a Robin, and they were uh-huh. legit. Hmm. It, man, if I ever coveted over anything in my life, it was those two. <laughs> and uh, man, that that was you know, of course the the you know Adam West, Burt Ward Batman came out, and it came out in color, but we had a black and white TV. And I remember the first time we were at my uncle's house for a Campbell family Christmas party. And they had the TV on, and Batman came on while we were there. It blew my mind. It just, it I couldn't believe just the colors and the, you know. And I didn't care then. I was a, I was little, so I didn't care about the cheesiness of anything. This for the first time, here's these superheroes that I loved on the screen in these vibrant colors. So, um, 
you know, I've, I've just always, I just, I guess always loved the DC people with just a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course my dream is, is that, um, my dream is cause I raised my sons. Like it was a great time to raise them because they had better action figures, you know, uh, late eighties, early nineties. Yep. Uh, they did mm-hmm. the, they did the nightfall thing. They did the death of Superman thing. Yep. The, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Tim Drake Robin came out. So I got, yep. you know, I started collecting all those thinking I'll pay for their college with all this, which I didn't do. I've still got them in my closet. <laughs> like, nobody does that. I've got baseball cards and comic books and, but, uh, you know, I kind of, kind of got back into all that, but my dream, cause where else can they go? The movies that need to be made is the DC Marvel crossover the verses which they've done several times oh yeah in the history did one back in the i guess when my boys were little and i collected all those and then they did those amalgam where they um, yeah. you know mixed mm-hmm. like it's like what if uh batman and wolverine were mixed so it's like a dark and they mm-hmm. put out these individual shot comics like dark claw and then it was bruce wayne of shield instead of nick fury and it was yeah. a Spider captain Boy. america mm-hmm. yeah, yeah spider boy captain america superman blend so I got mm-hmm. all of those when those came out. And I think, to me, that would be the most awesome, forget all this, is Spider-Man going to be, is the X-Men, is Mar- bring them all together. Just throw it all. <laughs> now, I'm sure so Disney not- Disney will buy it one day and then they'll just own it all. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's a dumb idea. but Oh, no, it'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Be cool to see. Well, what better could you do? I mean, what other crossover are you going to do that would be that awesome? Nothing. They, they at least need to do like animated movies of the Malcolm universe. With, yes. With yes. Uh, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, so we're about at an hour, but I have a, a very pressing question that I think, okay. this, I think this will be a good thing to wrap up. Okay. You mentioned Christmas a while ago. Christmas. Yes. One of the things that I've loved for years, I think we still have them somewhere. Your Christmas cards, they right. are the most amazing things I've ever We're, seen. I'm going to cry. You're so nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Tommy and his family, uh, I don't know if you guys, you don't, I don't know if you still do crazy Christmas cards, but every year we'd get in the mail after, you know, we were married, um, these Christmas cards from you and they were always like National Lampoon's Vacation or some theming. How did that all get started? How did that what happened? How did that happen? Well, that's that's a good question. The way it started was, I mean, one, I'm just a weird person. But secondly, we uh, we got a Christmas card years ago. You know, oh, gosh, 30, 30 years ago, we got a Christmas card from some friends from college. And their Christmas card was a picture of their brand new several hundred thousand dollar home. Like, they're not in the picture. It's just a picture of their house. So they're basically saying to us, which, you know, we're living in a, a seminary apartment, uh, yeah. you know, with that, you know, you, the, in the kitchen, you couldn't even stretch your arms out both ways. And it just kind of bothered me that somebody would send me a Christmas card of their house. So the next year, we were in historic Jamestown Village. And so this tour person, me and my wife and our two little boys, and the, the tour person said, this is the official junkyard of Colonial Jamestown. And it was just crap everywhere. <laughs> and I said, hey, Becky, let's, 
you know, let's do a family picture in the junkyard. And she goes, okay. So, cause that's normally what we gravitate towards. So we take a picture when we got them back. I said, you know what? I go, I've got an idea for our Christmas card this year. So we sent that picture and it's like, you know, a thatch shack behind us and all this garbage junk, you know, colonial junk. <laughs> and so we, we sent a card of us in front of this junk and we said from our home to yours for Christmas <laughs> and sent that out and sent it to our friend and circled home. So the, it started as a little act of rebellion. And once we did that, then the next year we're like, well, we can't do a traditional like I kind of got tired too. We get cards from people and everybody looked perfect and like they all have matching clothes and the fireplace is going. And I'm like, that's not our family. So the next year, I think we did a Beatles Abbey road kind of thing. We went down to UT campus and I grabbed one of my youth interns and said, you're going to take some pictures of us. <laughs> and, we did that. and then we just started thinking of, okay, what's something we do that's different, bizarre. It's like, we just wanted when people, cause when people get Christmas cards, they just kind of go, ah, yeah. Uh, Barnett's, yeah, whatever. Uh, that kid's ugly. You know, they just kind of <laughs> ditch it. They don't even really. And so we wanted people to have to stop and go, what in the world? Like, what is this? What, what are they thinking? This has nothing to do with Christmas. And it would just cause people to stop for a minute, kind of wonder or laugh or something. So over the years, it just kept evolving to just crazy stuff. And I have a friend here, a good friend of mine, who's a, a professional graphic artist. So I would come up with the ideas and then he would figure out how we could make that happen. And so, I mean, we did, I think the year that the Matrix, the last Matrix movie and the last Lord of the Rings movie came out, we did a mashup of the Matrix and the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so we said, looking for the one and awaiting the return of the king. So it worked out perfect. <laughs> yeah. And Becky and I were like <laughs> Matrix people. And Austin and Will were... Uh, Austin, we dressed him up like Legolas, and Will was a hobbit because he was still little, and he had long, <laughs> bushy hair, and we just made his feet look bigger and put hair on him, and he was holding a ring and a sword, and so it just escalated from that, and they just got kind of crazier and funnier, and of course, one year, we put a family that wasn't us on the card in the Christmas <laughs> clothes with the tree, and and we said, you know, something like, don't be afraid to change in 2002 or something. And it was just this, we grabbed two of our neighbor kids in our neighborhood. And then this guy, my graphic artist friend and his wife, and we said, come over, we're going to take your picture. We're going to use you all as us for the Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Done convenience store holdups and superhero. We did a superhero. It's been crazy. So, <laughs> but awesome. we doing that. Last year was our first year without a card. Oh. But we just figured it was time for a break. You know what you should do now? I'll give you an idea. This one's for free. When you're on some of these... Oh. Yeah, this is for free. <laughs> Let me get it again. <laughs> when you're on these sits for background, just take a picture with some of the extras and then make that your Christmas card. That would be hilarious. Could, that would be hilarious. Because <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but I meet some very interesting people. Very Just think, a uh, Christmas card with you and the six foot five uh, albino Elvis guy that you talked about—that would have been perfect. Or just a picture of the back of the head of Ed Asner. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I would be sued. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. that is a good idea. Yeah, there you go. I'm always afraid. They tell us we can't take pictures on sets, um, so I get. Like I watched him carry a guy off a set one time off of a movie set 
and it really scared me. So, because they, they, they do, like, they catch you taking pictures, and some people enforce it more, but they will take your phone. They don't delete the pictures. They delete, they reset your phone. Oh. Like, they... They wipe your phone and then they escort you off of the set. Oh, wow. Well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take a picture in your car when you get to set. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him in the parking lot. And he'll there'll be some other extras walking out and he'll roll down his window. <laughs> Come here, I want to take your picture. Get in my car. <laughs> get my van. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, this has been a blast. I'm glad we uh, got this worked out to, uh, for you to come on, and I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. So, mm-hmm. thank you so much. I've I've enjoyed it and had a good time. And you know, I don't really know. There's for me, this is fun. I don't know this is much fun for other people to listen to, but I just have had a blast and uh, just looking forward to what's coming and opportunities that'll come up. So, yeah, no, it's re- it's really cool, it's, and it's cool to hear about. You know. Because not many, and that's what we like to do on here. We like to to get guests on that are in the entertainment business, but don't get the recognition that they deserve. And you know, background actors make the movie, make the TV show. You know, if you don't have them, then you just have a couple guys standing around doing dialogue, and that's exactly that's it. So. Well, and and I because I say sometimes I'm an insignificant necessity. It's kind of the way I see myself. You know, I'm in many ways insignificant but I'm needed for, you know, for that scene. It, the only problem with all this is it has ruined the way I watch TV and movies. Uh, like right. I can't, uh-huh. like even my wife now, she goes, look at those people. Look at them in the background. That's horrible. <laughs> she, she doesn't know. She's not been, and like I go, I know. And then she'll go, look at that. You could have done that. And so it's like, <laughs> we're watching the background people now. And we're, we don't even care about the actors. We're just like, oh, whatever. They're, they're a dime a dozen. Look at these background people. They are getting it, you know, or look at that dude. He's looking at the camera. He knew where the camera was and he's making sure he gets that, you know, face <laughs> looking out. So. Yep. Well, if you know of anybody that needs a ball headed, bearded 41 year old, you just pass them along to me. I tell you what, it doesn't take much to slip into that world. I tell you, because they, they, they need all types of people constantly. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll need to look into that. See it down in Houston. It's, I'm yeah. sure there's stuff. In sure there stuff. is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, cool. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Again. Yeah. I know. It's been fun. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I talk too much. No, it's excited. perfect. Oh. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Patron doesn't like to talk, so. Uh, <laughs> I don't. And I just, they just don't let me talk. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, just... now you're. You're going to have to do an episode where you don't have a guest so that you all can say, hey, here's a nice thing. We get to talk this time. Next <laughs> next week, we'll just have Catron just It's the Catron show, and it's just the him Catron. by himself talking for an hour. <laughs> it would be the most boring thing in the world. No, it would be wonderful. I'd listen. Just talk just about that framed about... picture of flowers behind you. Don't you love that? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? It seems a little it's, crooked. Well, um, it's... There. Is that better? Okay, that's better. I'm in my dining room. So. Yeah, my meme all had that same painting. <laughs> it's great. It's my wife's. <laughs> Not your meme. We sold it at the state sale. <laughs> that's where they got it. Yeah. That's where I got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Well, again, thank you, Tommy, for being on. And this has been I'm Geek episode 124. And you are welcome back anytime, Tommy. Anytime you want to come on a podcast and talk, you're welcome to come on. Just let us know. Thank you. Thank you. 
And listeners, we will talk at you next week. This has been I Am Geek. Good night, everybody.